Hi, I'm Daniel Vasias with KCSB News. Before you listen, we must apply a timestamp to today's episode. This episode was recorded on Friday, August 13th at 9 a.m. Most of the interviews conducted throughout the episode were primarily recorded in July. Things may have changed by the time you're listening. Since our interviews, UCSB issued a mask mandate on August 3rd requiring masks to be worn in all shared indoor spaces regardless of vaccination status. On August 6th, the Santa Barbara County Public Health Department issued a similar mandate requiring masks indoors throughout the county regardless of vaccination status. KCSB News and The Daily Nexus will continue to follow any and all updates regarding the changing state of the pandemic. Isla Vista listeners, you're tuned in to KCSB FM in Santa Barbara, 91.9. I'm Yelena Teagle with KCSB News. And I'm Athmika Iyer with The Daily Nexus. Tonight, we present to you episode three in our series, Unmasking Isla Vista, a COVID-19 community archive, an exploration of how COVID-19 has impacted different aspects of Isla Vista life over the past year and a half. Thank you again for supporting KCSB News' first collaborative reporting project with the Daily Nexus, UCSB's independent student-run newspaper. As a reminder, we're sending weekly KCSB newsletters accompanying each component of our project, which are available to subscribers every Monday at 10 a.m. If you are a listener who has not yet subscribed to our mailing list, head to kcsb.org and enter your email address at the bottom of the homepage. And for full-length articles and archived episodes, visit dailynexus.com or kcsb.org. Thanks, Atmika. Tonight's episode brings you part three in our series, Testing and Vaccines. Throughout the episode, we will examine the Santa Barbara County Public Health Department and UC Santa Barbara and their efforts in mitigating the spread of the coronavirus. To begin, we must return to the initial stages of the pandemic. For context, the university announced on March 14th that spring quarter 2020 would be remote. On March 30th, Isla Vista reported its first case of COVID-19, with 88 active cases across the county at the time. As you've heard at the top of our episode, the pandemic took us all by surprise and spread rather quickly, meaning that the Santa Barbara County Public Health Department had to think fast. To gain a deeper insight on the pandemic's significant impact on the Santa Barbara community, KCSB's Ashley Rush spoke to medical director at UCSB Student Health, Dr. Ali Jawamba. could speak on the initiative taken by the university to combat the spread of COVID throughout the different stages of the pandemic. Yes, uh, I will uh, tell you what I can remember because it's been a while and a lot has happened. The university's top priority always is keeping students, faculty, staff safe. As the pandemic hit and there was a lot of unknowns about it, we just had to work with the information that we had. And that information initially was about transmission and how to prevent it, basically. And so we took those principles of, at that point, the general thinking was, yes, it's transmitted through aerosol droplets from people being close together. Uh, we also felt that it was transmitted through surfaces very strongly. And so those were interventions that were put in place to keep people separated, to minimize the contacts with surfaces, make sure that there's regular cleaning about those high-tech surfaces. And then uh, as uh, time moved on and we learned more about it, then those were, of course, modified uh, to become consistent with the most recent um, recommendations. 
And of course, the other piece uh, the university needed to address was continuing the work. Um, students still needed to get their classes done. And how could that be done while keeping the students safe? And then it was a matter of the essential services. What continues to operate on campus during a pandemic? Uh, that has to be in person. So for example, student health was one of those entities. We had to be open. We had to have some in-person um, services. We had to work on what can we do in person? What can we do through telehealth? And how do we allow people to come into the building, move through the building, get the care they need while trying to keep everybody safe? So it was a, it was a big effort with multiple, multiple people involved across multiple departments with very different degrees of expertise. Uh, and that all had to be very flexible and adaptable and change as more information and new information came out to really stay on top of the latest to keep everybody safe. Could you tell us a little bit about the concerns you had for the spread of COVID? Nyla Vista specifically, I know a long time ago when we interviewed you, you had projected several deaths in the community and reflecting on the past year, did these concerns come to fruition? As we mentioned before, Ilevis was one of those areas that really made a lot of us worry a lot because we have people in close quarters um, and it could really be a setup for rapid spread of the disease and a major outbreak. The other complicating factor was that Isla Vista is part of a county. So we as university faculty staff have really no jurisdiction, no say, no control over what happens in Isla Vista. Do they have signs up? Are they requiring people to wear a mask? Are they putting in markers to keep six feet distance? Is any of that being enforced? We had no say in that. So the best we could do was educate as much as we could and hope that people would follow those instructions. Yes, our big worry was that we would have a huge outbreak in Isla Vista, thousands and thousands of people ill, lots of people needing to come in to get care here at Student Health, in the community, in the hospitals. And of course, the biggest worry of all was having students get seriously ill or students dying from this COVID outbreak. Fortunately, um, even though there was a lot of cases in Isla Vista, the vast majority of cases were not terribly severely ill, um, very few, if any, needed hospitalization, and I'm not aware of anyone dying from COVID. So that was a big, big uh, relief for us that thankfully went that way. One of the things to keep in mind with uh, public health and infectious disease outbreaks and prevention efforts is that if it goes well, and if you've done it right, people will think you overreacted. And so we were very thankful that what turned out was, okay, it wasn't as bad as we thought. And, and hopefully some of the interventions that we did, that the county did, and a lot of those interventions that a lot of our students at Isla Vista residents did helped to keep it from being the worst case scenario that we feared. And you've just touched on this, but I'm wondering if you could expand on some of the successes and challenges in responding to the pandemic locally. The challenges were uh, basically, us on the campus, understanding what Isla Vista is and what its potential is for an outbreak and spread of disease, but then not having any power to do anything about it and having to just work with the county and allow them to do what they could. Um, and our county doesn't have just Isla Vista, it has all county that needs to tend to. That was one of our big challenges. We could control everything on campus as far as access to buildings and masking and building density but we just couldn't do that in Isla Vista. Now the successes were that we were able to basically create a public health department from scratch. 
a lot of accolades go to um, some of our student health staff who went over and worked with the campus to create this COVID response team. A lot of them were non-medical staff that were re-deployed re, uh, basically from other departments to help with uh, self-directed testing, uh, contacting people who were exposed, giving them instructions on um, how to isolate, how to quarantine, and then also connecting them to other services on campus like housing uh, and, and meals if they had need of that. So that was a tremendous success to create an entity that would carry out all those tasks from a campus and entities on campus who were not public health entities. We are student health. We take care of students. We don't do pandemic response, but we had to step into that role. And so a lot of people really stepped up and really took charge. So that I think was a, a tremendous success. And the other thing to really acknowledge is a lot of our students also really stepped up. They heeded the warnings. They kept to themselves. They wore masks. They kept from large gatherings. Of course, what we see is the outliers, the people who had the big gatherings and there's videos and it goes around social media. Um, but that's not a full picture. I think for every footage that you saw of 50 people gathered around, there was another 500 who were really being diligent and following um, the recommendations. And I think that uh, was a big success in my opinion. We also had the opportunity to interview Santa Barbara County Public Health Department Director, Dr. Von De Reynoso, and Public Health Officer, Dr. Henning Ansorg. Dr. De Reynoso and Dr. Ansorg expressed similar concerns and reflected on successes and challenges during the pandemic. Reflecting on the past year, I want to expand that to reflection, reflections of the whole pandemic. One of our first outbreaks uh, in, in South County was in Isla Vista. And I, I recall being really nervous about it because it was among students. And I knew that given the high mobility of the student population, that it would be somewhat of a challenge mitigating the uh, outbreak. But I was very pleasantly surprised because quickly we were able to engage uh, UCSB uh, leadership as well as their as well as their medical director, as well as county leadership, as well as public health staff in really doing a comprehensive case investigation, contact tracing, and then issuing the appropriate health officer orders and providing supportive services so that the cluster of the initial students who were infected maintain only within that circle. But really what made us as a department really, really nervous was that if you look at the trend in cases in IV, <clears throat> it was fairly benign uh, with with the expected uh, spikes, but really what was concerning was last, well, January, when we went from anywhere in the preceding November, December cases, uh, lowest 813, and then in January, on January 25th, we saw <clears throat> the highest at 122. That was quite alarming. We were very concerned. 
No, I would agree that at, at this height of the outbreak over the winter, we were very concerned about Isla Vista. And then again, you know, when students came back and we were hearing about parties and, and things going on. And then it was also challenging sometimes, at least for me, I found it challenging that many students obviously had like a home address in somewhere else. So we wouldn't get the reports in a timely manner because um, reports of positive COVID tests go to the county, to the public health department of the county of residence. So if if the student, you know, was registered somewhere in San Francisco or in San Diego or something, we wouldn't know about it. And that was really a little bit concerning to me that, that we underestimated what was going on. We were also at some point, we heard that there was uh, difficulty for students to access testing. And we really had a, um, come up with in collaboration with UCSB and with all available testing capacity and so forth to make it as easy and accessible as possible for, for Isla Vista to get appropriate testing in a timely fashion. Dr. Dorinoso explained that the Ivy Theater testing site was an option tailored to fit the convenience of Ivy residents, originally a pop-up and later becoming permanent. When you test is when you find out if you are if you are infected and then you can isolate and then there's contact investigation that happens, contact tracing that happens, so then your contacts get quarantine. So testing is a very, very effective way to mitigate the spread of disease. So testing in Isla Vista, early on, we we had discovered that um, it was a challenge for IV uh, community members to get to our Goleta testing site. So the request to us through this planning group that I mentioned earlier was, can you stand up the testing site in IV. And so we really work with the community to find out the the most convenient time for IV and uh, what would be ideal. So everything that we did was really tailored at the IV community, the testing on the weekends, testing later in the day, um, and, and no registration needed because we found out that it was difficult at, for 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 the IV community members to to register for a test, um, to schedule an appointment. So we moved to a no appointment necessary system. Then as more, uh, as more uh, 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 rapid testing was made available and the demand for that, uh, we, we also uh, included that in our offering. So at the beginning, at the height of the pandemic, the surges, the winter surges, there was um, a lot of worry that, you know, uh, what's the presence of COVID-19 like in, in IV? So we we were out there and the demand for testing was pretty high level. And then towards as the vaccine was available and as we saw the winter surge taper off. And much like testing, the vaccine rollout in Isla Vista required an approach tailored to the unique needs of our community. After this short break, we'll look at how Isla Vista initiated and continues vaccine distribution. Remember, you've been listening to Unmasking Isla Vista, a COVID-19 community archive. 
here on KCSBFM in Santa Barbara, 91.9. Hello, listeners. I'm Alexandra Goldberg with KCSB News. And I'm Catherine Swartz with The Daily Nexus. And we're generally pretty good at minding our own business. But we just couldn't help ourselves. Because next week's episode is all about local businesses and essential workers. Like many of us, local businesses here in Isla Vista were greatly impacted by the pandemic. We wanted to understand to what extent. Episode four of our series surveys the impact with exclusive interviews and firsthand accounts from business owners and essential workers. We sit down with Lisa Oglesby, board president of the Isla Vista Food Cooperative. Buddha Bowl's owner and co-founder, Daniel Dunietz. And Meg Wilson, a UCSB student and employee at Woodstock's Pizza. You can listen to Unmasking Isla Vista, local businesses and essential workers next Monday, same time, same place. Here on KCSB FM, Santa Barbara, 91.9. And remember for full length episodes and accompanying Daily Nexus articles, Head to dailynexus.com slash unmasking dash Isla dash Vista. That's dailynexus.com slash unmasking dash Isla dash Vista. We will see you back here next week for episode four of Unmasking Isla Vista, local businesses and essential workers. See you then. See you then. Welcome back. Before the break, we heard about the concerns and reflections of COVID-19 from health experts Dr. Ali Javambak, Dr. Vando Reynoso, and Dr. Ansorg. Continuing today's episode, we'll be getting an insider's view on testing and vaccines in IV. While everyone itched to return to some form of normalcy, health experts knew that wouldn't be possible without a vaccine. So in the search for that light at the end of the tunnel, 2021 began with a race to vaccinate. Vaccine distribution began by prioritizing high-risk healthcare workers and respondents, residents 65 and older, essential workers, and individuals with underlying health concerns. As April and May approached, those 18 and up became eligible for the vaccine, and now health experts urge those 12 and older to get vaccinated, especially with the upcoming school year right around the corner. Once vaccines became available to the public, the Santa Barbara County Public Health Department was tasked with arranging accessible vaccination sites in Isla Vista, as explained by Dr. Dorinoso in our interview. Specifically for IV, we had a we had our mobile vaccination clinic um, uh, up on campus on on May sixth. And through community outreach, through social media, through the university uh, assisting us in outreach, we were able to vaccinate 254 individuals. And then we were able later, IV Community Services and Zeta Beta Tau uh, assisted us uh, in organizing a, a mobile vaccination clinic on May 22nd, and we were able to vaccinate 32 individuals at that site. It has been uh, we wish that there had been more of an interest to partner with the public health department. We're, we've always been ready to to host or to do mobile vaccine vaccine clinics, but um, I think that uh, the the interest 
uh, waned as as um, we came closer to the end of the school year. So by definitely end of May until now, the interest has really not uh, resumed in in um, as being in IV to have a vaccination clinic. The behind the scene work is really we have a countywide. A planning group consisting of, of IV leaders, UCSB leaders, SBCC leaders, as well as county leaders, really having that conversation about, okay, what are we needing this week? Um, and, and this has been going on throughout the pandemic. Dr. Darinoso also spoke to why many college-age students are reluctant to get the vaccine, a trend she attributed to the attitude of, I'm young, I'm healthy, I'm invincible, as well as not wanting to deal with the potential side effects of the vaccine. So as an effort to increase vaccination numbers in IV, the Public Health's partnership with Cottage Health opened up their drive through vaccination site to bikers and walkers to make the vaccination process easier. And especially as summer was approaching, Public Health also partnered with the University, Greek Life, and the Isla Vista Community Services District to bring mobile vaccination clinics to IV. But as of July 16th, 38% of county residents within the 16 to 29 age range still remain unvaccinated. Looking to the fall quarter, Dr. Vonda Reynoso and the Public Health Department remain alert as students are expected to return in person. I am worried with, um, with students returning to dorms, with students returning to um, shared housing, um, and, and in a high-density situation that the spread of COVID-19 could take off. I'm really hoping that the university and the college and as well as community members will take this opportunity in the next five, six weeks um, to start their vaccine journey. I'm really glad that, that as students return in the fall, at least for the UC system, that there is a mandate in place for them to be vaccinated. And so um, public health has been in conversations with UCSB on how do we ensure that the availability of vaccine and that students right now are, are beginning that vaccine journey. So I think that UCSB really appreciative of their proactive stance in communicating with their student population. Unfortunately, just as everything seems to open again, there has been a sudden rise in COVID-19 cases and deaths as a result of the Delta variant. At the Santa Barbara COVID-19 response virtual press conference that took place on August 5th, Dr. Do Reynoso announced that everyone is required to wear masks in shared indoor spaces, regardless of vaccination status. It is mandated masking in public indoor settings, regardless of vaccination status, for persons two plus years of age. We need to do this because this is a critical strategy to stem rising case rates. Uh, we will review this health officer order and guided by case rate, vaccination rate, and hospitalization rate and capacity. So keeping this in mind, both Dr. Ali Javanbakht and Dr. Do Reynoso ended their interviews with a call for vaccination. The only thing I would say to students at this point is to get vaccinated. If you are not vaccinated, I would strongly urge you to get yourself vaccinated. It's the 
best that we can do to protect ourselves and, and bring this to an end as hopefully many people are aware the Delta variant is spreading and we're seeing a rise in cases again. Um, so all the more pressing to really get the vaccination levels high. If we can get it to above 75%, that's a really good mark that gets us to a whole other level of protection. Right now, from the data that we have, our students are about maybe 67 to 70%. So we're pretty darn close. So whoever else out there can get out there and get vaccinated, let's get to that 75%. I think that'll be really, really important. Isla Vista will continue to be a high density living situation, living environment. And it is so critically important for people uh, living in IV um, more, I think even more than, um, than anywhere else to uh, seize the opportunity to, to, to get vaccinated if they n are not already. I think that there is misinformation or false sense of security because of, of, your, of your age if you fall under, say, the 30. Um, but that is simply not true, that you are not immune because you are young. This has been Unmasking Isla Vista, a COVID-19 community archive. Atmika, I've had a great time working with you on today's episode. Thanks for having me. It's been great. As the COVID-19 pandemic continues to disrupt our everyday lives, the Daily Nexus and KCSB News will keep you updated every step of the way. We also want to give a special thanks to our featured guests, Dr. Ali Javambach, Dr. Dorenoso, and Dr. Ansorg. And you do not want to miss out on future episodes. So feel free to head to dailynexus.com slash unmasking dash isla dash vista for full length articles and archived episodes through the course of this series. That's dailynexus.com slash unmasking dash isla dash vista. Catch last week's KCSB episode and Daily Nexus article on university and students at dailynexus.com slash unmasking dash isla dash vista. To receive our weekly newsletter on each topic as they're published, head to kcsb.org, scroll down to the bottom of the homepage, and add your email address to our subscribers list. Finally, we'd like to give a special thanks to our dedicated reporters this week. Sidhu Anandavil, Yelena Teagle, and Atmuka Iyer. That's us! <laughs> thanks again to everyone supporting KCSB and the Daily Nexus on our first collaborative project. Months of reporting and coordination have gone into this project, and it wouldn't have been possible without the support of our listeners and readers. Remember, you've been listening to KCSB FM 91.9 in Santa Barbara. I'm Elena Teagle with KCSB News. And I'm Akmika Iyer with The Daily Nexus. And thanks to the rest of our team, our Daily Nexus journalists, Sindhu Anandavale, Asumi Shuda, Holly Rush, Catherine Swartz, our KCSB journalists, Ashley Rush, Alexandra Goldberg, Daniel Wasias, Pia Ramos, Jennifer Yoshikoshi, Daily Nexus videographers, Evan Caucasian, Juliana Zapatel, Daily Nexus artists and graphic creators, Hannah Apple, Luca Disbro, Daniela Gomez, Alex Rudolph, Noel Chan, Natalie Sierrindo, Kelly Yan, KCSB artists, Madeline Pang Miller, Shirley Wong. And lastly, our Daily Nexus photographers. Pia Ramos. Tai Yao. Our theme music is Foundations of Burgundy by Jawser. And again, thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for an episode on essential workers and local businesses, featuring interviews with 
Lisa Oglesby, board president of the Isla Vista Food Cooperative, and Daniel Denietz, Budabol's owner and co-founder. You've been listening to KCSV FM Santa Barbara 91.9. Bye!